Welcome to the Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. Hey, how's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Jamie Eads joining you as always. This is episode 29. I am absolutely honored to bring you a fantastic interview today. I am going to be joined by the fantastic, great Jerry Gaskell of King's X, simply one of the most influential drummers um, in my life, certainly, and many, many others. So please stay tuned. Lost Cabos drumsticks may be the best kept secret from drummers today. Lost Cabos Drumsticks makes the finest tools to touch a drummer's hands in the business. The best news, almost every popular stick size is available in both white hickory and red hickory. If you don't know what red hickory is, it's made from the heartwood of the hickory tree, unlike regular white hickory, which is made from sapwood. Red hickory drumsticks will hold up to even the hardest hitting drummers. Their durability comes from the density of the wood, but they do not sacrifice the feel. Please visit LosCabosDrumsticks.com to learn more about their products. And don't forget to ask at your favorite retailer for Los Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and gals, as I mentioned, we're going to be joined by the great Jerry Gaskell here in just a moment. Jerry, of course, the fantastic drummer in King's X. King's X has just been such an influential band on me personally and countless other musicians. Jerry is just one of the kind souls in rock music. Uh, So I was just absolutely honored to have him on here. Huge influence on me, as I said. So please help me welcome to the drum shuffle, Jerry Gaskell. Good evening, Jerry. How you doing today? Doing great, man. How you doing? I am doing fantastic. Doing fantastic. Hey, thanks so much for taking time to come on the Drum Shuffle. We certainly appreciate your time. My pleasure. So, Jerry, um, what a legendary career uh, you've had and, and continuing. I know you guys just wrapped up a, a big bunch of dates. Um, you know, what we typically do here is we start at the at the very beginning. I know you got your first drum when you were probably three or four years old. You, you've been a drummer your entire life. Um, tell us a little bit about how you you came into drumming. Well, I actually can't remember a time uh, of not playing. I don't remember a time thinking, oh, I, I want to play drums. It's just something I've always done. I've always been fascinated with them. I've always, um, I remember an uncle of mine who had this blue sparkle kit in his basement when I was a really, really small kid. And I was I was just drawn right to him. And, uh, and like you said, I got my first real drum when I was four years old. And I wanted that more than anything in life. That was just what I wanted. And before that, I had a toy kit. And um, so that, that's just what I've always done. I remember when I got that first drum, I've told this story a million times, but I'll tell it again. <laughs> uh, I remember my dad went to the store to get it. I'm, I'm four years old. And I'm so excited thinking, oh, finally, I'm going to have a real drum. This is it's like the greatest thing imaginable to me. And he comes home. And he says, oh, Jerry, I'm so sorry. I wasn't able to get the drum. And I remember just, I just broke into this, 
I just started profusely crying. I remember that. I just couldn't control myself. It's like everything in my world just crumbled down and, and nothing mattered ever again. <laughs> so I couldn't have that drum. And then he said, okay, I'm, I'm so sorry, but could you go out in the car? And he asked me to get him something. I forget what he asked me to get him. But you go out in the car and get this for me. So I, of course, being the obedient son that I am, I guess, or was, I went out there to get what he asked me for. And there sitting on the passenger seat was the drum. And nice. It, was, it, was, it, was, it could have been a better way to present it to me. You know, had he just brought it in, it could have been better. Yeah, that's the story of how I I got my first real drum. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, I've heard that story before as well, but I think it's so awesome. You know, a lot of our guests will will say, you know, when I was, you know, 10, I saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show or, you know, a, a relative had a drum set and I was drawn to it. So I started playing along with Zeppelin records or, or whatever the case may be. But you are truly you were born to drum, I think. That's all I can think. Even my mom tells me that as a little child, like two years old in the back of the in, We'd be in the car. I'd be in the back seat before you had to wear seatbelts. You know, we climb over the top of the seats and all that. Sure. That's you know, just what you did back then. <laughs> and uh, she said I would, I would, I would bang on the seats. If I bang on her head, I would just always be banging on things. So it, 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 all I can think is, it's just, it's just what I do. It's what I have been given to do because I've never known anything else. Yeah. Well. I, it- and I did see the Beatles, and I did see the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Well, that's killer. As it happened, and that 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 catapulted me into, you know, there is nothing else I'm going to do but that. <laughs> <laughs> so everything else just kind of went out the window at that point. Oh, that was it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, of course I'm going to do this. Right. And it wasn't even a decision, like I said earlier. It's not even a decision. It's just what I do. Yeah, for sure. Well, so, I mean, you mentioned the Beatles. So uh, obviously Ringo is an influence. Who are some of your other influences, you know, as you were coming up as a, as a young drummer, who were the other guys that you really looked to for inspiration? Well, definitely Ringo was, was a big influence. And I think even before them, I remember, I think Wipeout, things like that, that came out even before the Beatles came to America. And I was listening to that stuff. I think that's true. Isn't that true? Mm, I did, that's a the good Beach one. Boys. That, he, he yeah. pro- probably so. Yeah, I mean, the Beatles came yeah, in, what, 64? Yeah, so. Yeah, so I think it was a little bit before that. And you know, I was into that stuff. But then when the Beatles, like I said earlier, came, that was it. From that moment on, it was the Beatles, and everything else just fell underneath that. And uh, But from there, as I got a little bit older, I just, you know, I fell into Led Zeppelin. And, uh, of course, John Bonham is probably... If I have any influence, it's probably my biggest influence. Sure. As far as the way I approach drums or whatever. Not that I sound like him, not that I play like him or anything like that, but just his inspiration is is just a big part of my life. And uh, Buddy Rich, another one. Yeah. And uh, another thing I've said a million times, because when I talk to people, sometimes they ask me about drums because I play drums. <laughs> and I, but to me, if I could take John Bonham and Buddy Rich and meld them together as one drummer, that would be absolute perfect drumming right there to me. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, that's yeah. that's a mouthful for sure. I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you can't go wrong with either one of those cats. There's no doubt about it. Right. Yep. Well, you know, I, I think you have famously said uh, plenty of times before, I don't think I'm putting words in your mouth, but but correct me if I'm wrong, but you... Oh, I will correct you, believe me. <laughs> but you <laughs> never really took lessons. You didn't do school band. You didn't do marching band. You are truly a self-taught musician, correct? 100%. I did none of those things. I had... Uh, Music teachers, for whatever reason, I'm not. I'm just saying this because it happened. That's the only reason I say it. I had music teachers beg me to join the band, and I even had uh, one one music teacher tell me that he will start a band just for me <laughs> if I will just play. If you will just play, we'll start a band just for you. And I just wasn't into it. I just had no desire to do any of the organized things like that. It just wasn't who I was. So I just never did any of that. And sometimes I think now, maybe that was not a good thing. Maybe it was a great thing. Yeah. I don't know. But I just didn't do it. And I'm sure I could have learned some things, but I just didn't care. I just didn't care at all. I didn't care to play to records. I didn't care to do any of that stuff. I just wanted to play what I played. You know, I just played... When I played in other bands and we did cover tunes, I just played them the way I wanted to play them. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, you know, that's probably served you well over your career because, I mean, obviously, you know, you've spent, gosh, 30 plus years with King's X and your playing is so unique in that band and, and King's X is so unique in music. I mean, just in general, um, you know, one of the... Uh, I, I don't want to use the word problems, but I think one of the the struggles that King's X has had over the years is the fact that nobody knows where to put you guys really. You know, it, it's is it metal? Is it rock? Is it pop? Is it soul? It's it's all of those things. And it's kind of the perfect, um, you know, stew, if you will. Um, but you're drumming in that band has been so influential to guys like me, you know, I mean, I, I couldn't count on all of my fingers and toes, huge bands that say King's X was a huge influence to me. Um, you know, so I think the way you grew up has a lot to do with how you play with King's X. I think that's a fair statement. I think that's fair too, because that's just the way it has, has been. That's what I do. And I've had a lot of these people that you were talking about, you know, in big name bands, people who everybody knows tell me the same things. Uh, tell me that the way I play is unique and it inspires them because it's just something that I do. And it's not learn, it's not, it's not the same thing that everybody has learned. Which I don't know, I'm not saying that's a good thing to say, I'm just saying that's what people say to me. Like, some of the greatest drummers in the world who are the drummers' drummers who can do anything, play with anybody and play anything they're asked, tell me that. And they tell me they're inspired by me, which is always somewhat baffling and flattering, and, and I'm always honored by that. So that's just part of this whole thing that makes my career somehow. I even had Morgan Rose one point. We were on a, we were on a cruise together. And I'm only saying this because he said it. 
<laughs> and you brought it up, and you brought it up because we're talking about this type thing. Sure. And it was um, it was it was one of the nicest things anybody's ever said to me as far as drumming. Whether he was he meant it or not, I don't know. But these were his words. He said, he told me that I was the John Bonham of his generation. Wow! Thought, My goodness, that's exactly what I thought. Wow, really? And I didn't know how to really grasp it or you know take it in. But he said those words to me, and I will always remember that. And you know Morgan Rose, he was he's this. You know, he's a monster drummer. Yeah, he's a freak of nature. I mean, he, yeah, exactly. he looks, looks like the Tasmanian devil back there. I mean, I would dislocate a shoulder trying to do what he does. <laughs> so, so yeah, those things, it's just the way it is. I mean, and like you said, all it just seems like every band that's out there seems to be somewhat inspired by King's X. Everywhere we go, everybody we meet, I'm always baffled and honored yeah i you know my first exposure you know if you'll indulge me you know my first exposure came when i was just starting out as a drummer you know i, I started when i was 12 years old and, and it was right about the time you guys had had really come on the scene especially the mtv scene you know the videos had, had started coming out for you, you know uh it's love and and things like that so you know kind of right after you had signed your your deal with megaforce and i remember seeing an interview somewhere i don't know where where you said yeah i'm i'm not a schooled drummer and that immediately said to me, I have a chance. You, you know what I mean? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's great, man. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I was just a young, young lad and I heard you say that and I thought, okay, so I don't have to do marching band and, and wear the, you know, the, the awful costume and stand in the heat in August, you know, down South and, and learn how to play paradiddles or, or whatever, you know. Um, that's great. That means a lot to me, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm, again, not saying that's good or bad either way, but, I, you know, I was the kid that bought the drum set or my mom bought the drum set and I just started putting on every record I could find and trying to, you know, cop mm -hmm. those feels. You know, mm -hmm. if I had a nickel for every time I've played along with one of your drum tracks, I, I would be a rich man. I will say that. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think what was so unique about King's X is, is you guys hit the scene at the time where it was all about, you know, big hair and makeup and, you know, leather pants and, and all that stuff. That's what was popular at the time and in, in the late eighties, early nineties. And you guys were not that at all. Um, well, we had big hair. Yeah, Doug certainly had big hair. Um, we all kind of did. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know if, you know, you were signed to Megaforce, which was kind of the metal label at that time. Um, but your music was so harmonic. And of course, you know, you are a big part of that three part harmony. So I'm wondering, is your drumming style influenced by the fact that you sing as well? Well, I didn't really start off singing. Um, I didn't start singing until we became a three-piece band. We started off as a four-piece band. And it, it, 
it, it just came about where I had to sing. There were parts that needed to be sung, and I was the only only the only guy that could do it to do it. Right. So so I became a singer and a drummer at the same time, and um, and I don't I don't really know how to determine if it uh, affected the way I play. Um, I probably did to a certain degree because singing and playing is a whole different thing than just playing. Oh yeah. And it was, and it was something that was very unnatural for me at first because a lot of times the vocals are in a different rhythm than what you're playing. Right. And you know, it has to get to a point where it becomes second nature and you're not really thinking about it because once you start thinking about things, that's when you mess up. Right. So, so I don't know if that answered your question, but I, I don't know. I mean, I don't really consider myself a singer, although I do sing, and I write songs, and I do those things. But uh, I guess, all in all, everything affects the way I play. How's that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair, uh, a, a fair statement, you know. I, but I always go, when we talk about singing drummers, you know, I think of the great late Levon Helm, of course, you know, fr- from the oh band. And... You know, you want to talk about a freak of nature. You can't teach how he played drums. You just can't oh, do it. Oh, no. Um, I don't even know if you can learn that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think you can. I think you're either born with that kind of slinky, greasy rhythm or you're not. But, you know, he famously said, you know, in several different times, you know, I play the way I play because I have to sing, you know, and, and I'm kind of, you know, going along mm. with the with the vocal rhythm, which is weird. To, to most people, but it just worked in that situation. So that's why I was kind of curious about that and asked the question. Yeah, well, he, he was more of a lead singer while he played, too. Yes, he was. And that's not something I really do. I, I, and even if I, when I do solo shows, I've done a few, not many, but when I do, I don't play drums at all. I just stand out front and sing, play a little bit of guitar every once in a while. Sure. So that's a whole different thing to play and sing the melody and, and be basically the front man being the one who, you know, plays around the vocals. So I, as you're singing them, I've never done that. Right. So, although I did, I did on one song, I did it on Julie. We used to do that live and I did play and sing that. So yeah, maybe, I, maybe I do understand that to a certain degree. Yeah. Cause I do play, you know, around what I'm singing. That's true. Yeah. I get it. So, yeah, well, there we go. We (laughs) we had a moment. Um, Yeah, a revelation of of sorts. For sure. Well, revelations are always good, Um, you know, and it always comes to me at the at usually the worst possible time. You know, I say, gosh, I've got to remember this, you know, and then I never do. But um, I want to go back a little bit, um, Jerry, and and talk about when you guys did sign your deal with Megaforce, um, what do you remember about that? Was it just, was it a whirlwind for you guys when you signed the deal and you, you played so many huge shows, you were on so many different tours, uh, huge tours playing in front of, you know, thousands and thousands of folks. Could you feel that building or was it, you were just kind of thrown into the machine all at once? Well, I'd say it's probably a combination of all of that, because we'd been together for, I think, maybe seven years before we we were signed, and nobody really cared about King's X. Nobody wanted to sign King's X. 
And then finally, Megaforce did want to sign us. So they brought us out to New York, and we did a show at the Cat Club, you know, just so they could see us play live. And we opened for um, uh, Black Oak, Arkansas. That's what we did. And I didn't. I felt like we didn't play that good. It didn't. Whatever. The way musicians feel sometimes. We we very rarely feel like we're we're doing great. Sure. And um. And, but they were very excited after the show, and they 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 wanted to sign us. They told us we're not going to leave this building until you sign this contract. <laughs> and uh, and I remember at one point Johnny Zazula. I don't, I don't know exactly what how the conversation came about, but I said to him, "Hey." I'm driving a 75, uh, whatever it is. He said, I'll get you in a 1976. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> That's a deal you so, can't refuse right yeah. there. So, yeah, from there, yeah, things did just take off, and it did become a bit of a whirlwind. Not necessarily immediately. It's that whole overnight success thing, I guess, where it seems like it's overnight, but it's really not overnight. You know, and... Uh, you know, we, we we put the first record out, and we did shows around the country playing to nobody. We did shows to two people. Really? Yeah, nobody cared about King's X. Yeah, absolutely. But we went to England, and they, for some reason, they took to us immediately. Right as the first record came out, even maybe before the first record did come out, and they had us on the cover of Kerrang!, the big rock magazine over there at the time. Sure. And uh, they were hailing us as the the new monarchs of metal and you know, they were just, it's like the new messiahs have arrived, that kind of a thing. And I only say that because that's what they said. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so we, we went over there. We didn't know what to expect. We thought, Oh, this is going to be great. We're going to England. Yeah. Finally get to go to England. And we played the marquee club, our first show ever there. Of course we didn't know what to expect. We thought, ah, maybe there'll be some people there. It'd be cool. We went out on stage. The place was completely packed. And from the moment we started, they were singing and jumping up and down through the entire show. I'm going, oh my God, we're going to be the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, that didn't happen either. <laughs> well, you say that, but you know, there were a, lo a lot of press said this is the second coming of the Beatles. I mean, you guys I were. Know. You guys were critical darlings. You know, the, the, the first record was just everybody thought this is the new sound. This is where we're going in music. Um, it, you know, so it, it doesn't surprise me. You know, I've always heard about, you know, England, Great Britain, that, you know, they don't care, you know, what you've done. They just want to know what you're doing. Right. And, and if they like it, they love it. So it's a little bit different than the States for sure. Well, they, they sure seem to love it over there. And I was, we were very thankful. And, uh, and then things did kind of take off from there. And, uh, and it got to a point where it almost felt, uh, natural that things were going to keep happening. Like touring with ACDC. We did that for three months or so. Yeah. And then it just kept rolling and rolling and it just, you know, felt like it's just going to keep going and going. And like you said, we did get a lot of critical acclaim, the critical, you know, critics, darlings, whatever you, whatever you said, but that didn't necessarily translate to the general public like everybody thought it would. Yeah. I remember talking to Lars Ulrich once 
And he said to me, hey, man, we all thought you guys were going to be huge. He says, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> That's exactly what he said to me. <laughs> what happened? Well, What happened? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, as a musician, it's very rare that I meet another musician that doesn't love King's X. You know, so... I don't know if it was kind of the, you know, I refer to it as the rush syndrome where like if you go to a, a rush show, of course, they've kind of retired from touring now. But if you went to a rush show, it was all musicians in the crowd. You know, it was right. so maybe I don't know, maybe you guys became the band for musicians to go to the show and, and buy the records. I, you know, I don't know. I don't have an explanation, but I. Had you asked me, I would have betted that you guys would have been, you know, the biggest band ever. Right. You know, I've heard that said by a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. So, I, I mean, the, the music is just undeniable. I mean, it truly is. And, and you know, I'm not trying to do a, a fluff piece here, but you were a huge influence on me. And and the band is just incredible. And, you know, I didn't get to see you guys here on this recent run of dates that you did. Um, you got fairly close. I couldn't make it that day, whatever the case may be. You know how that goes. But I've seen some videos of the recent tour and you guys are playing as great as ever, maybe even better. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about the tour and, and how you feel things are, are, are going. Well, I know for me, in many ways, I feel like I am playing better than ever. And I feel in all ways in my life, I'm better than ever. And that all stems from the fact that I've had two heart attacks. And the first heart attack took my life away. And I've said this a million times too. But had I been alone when that happened, uh, I would be dead right now. Because there's no way I could have possibly recovered. It was It's what they called the Widowmaker. You know, 100% blockage in, I guess, the main artery, where there was no blood flow into my heart at all. And it just took, my, took me down. I fell down dead. And, and I have no recollection of this at all. I have no rec recollection of pain, no recollection of that happening. But my wife totally has recollection of it because she was there. And had she not been there, like I said, I, I would not be here. I would be dead. And in the hospital, I determined I will be better than ever or I will not do this ever again. Wow. And um, so I work really hard at it. And then I ended up having another heart attack and uh, had to have open heart surgery, which again, I thought, oh my God, now I've got to be even better than better. I got <laughs> to go double the better now. Sure. And, and, I, and I determined it, man. I, I, I set out to do that. I said, I will be better. I'm not saying I'm a better player or anything like that, but I just have to be better. I have to be better all around in my life. And, and I've learned how to listen to my body. I've learned that that's all I have is my body. If I want to stay in this world, I have to keep my body alive. Right. And, 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 and I've learned that our bodies are made to move. And I've also learned that we have to give more. I think I've always kind of known this, but now I totally put it into practice. We have to give more than we think we can give a lot of times. Mm. 
and we have to do things that we don't want to do in order to get what we do want to do or what we do want to have. And right. I think we all probably know that somewhere in our heads. But but making it happen is a whole different story. You have to put forth a little bit of effort, right? Absolutely. And that's what I've learned. Just a little bit of effort. You have to do something. And I've learned that. I've learned that something always equals something, right? Right. But nothing, nothing always equals nothing. <laughs> so if you sit around and do nothing and think about all the great things you can do, nothing's going to happen. You have to get up off your ass. You have to go out there. You have to work your ass off and do that in order to get the things that you want so, you, so that maybe you can relax a little bit, right? A- absolutely. <laughs> those, are the, those are all the things that I've learned through the years. So um, well, I don't even remember what the question was now. What was the question? <laughs> I don't know either, to be honest with you, Jerry. Um, but I think, I think that was the answer, though. <laughs> I think it was appropriate. <laughs> For sure. Well, I mean, and what you're... What you're referencing, you know, this goes back to like 2012, I think it was when you when you first had your your, your first heart attack. And that is true. Um, you know, we, we were lucky that that you hung on because, I mean, I remember, you know, and I've followed the band on social media for for so many years. You know, I, I remember it was I knew it was serious. You know, the, the, the first thing I heard about it, you know, it wasn't just a, oh, oh, hey, Jerry's in the hospital, you know, having his appendix out or whatever. It, I mean, we knew it was serious. So, you know, uh, we're thankful. Yeah, it yeah it, we're all super thankful that that everything came out the way it did. But to your point, you know, if you just sit around and watch TV all the time, you're, you're not going to be a better drummer. You're not going to be a better short order cook you're not going to be a better secretary whatever the case may be you do have to put effort forth and you know i do remember my question now but i mean i've seen some of the videos from this last tour you know that that folks post out there on social media the band is playing as good as ever i think um it just sounds incredible well thanks man we do actually have people say, hey, man, I've been coming to shows for years and years, and this is the best one ever. You know, it's probably just because of the moment, but it's still nice to hear, you know. Yeah, it's, it is nice to hear, but, you know, and, and I think the, the other cool thing, you know, I'm a sucker for, for power trios, too. You know, I mean, I always have been, um, you know, the fact that you guys sound as clean and as good as you do, um, you know, and, and have for your entire career is amazing to me because, you know, I think some of those power trios that I went to see live, it was pretty loose and sloppy. You <laughs> not with King's X, you guys um, just sound fantastic. Um, now, it's been a little while since um, since you guys have done a record. Uh, so, you know, I'm not asking for a scoop here, but is there any plans uh, for new material anytime soon? Yes, we are definitely talking about it. We are actually making plans. Good. And so, uh, most likely, there will be a new record, possibly even next year. Oh, fantastic. So are you guys just in pre-production now or are you in the writing stage or, or where are you at? Well, we're always in the writing stage. Sure. We're always in that stage. Uh, I think right now we're in the, I think we've gone past the pre-discussion stage. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And now we're kind of maybe in the full discussion stage. <laughs> gotcha. And so, so I think that's kind of where we're at. Maybe a little bit past the discussion stage. But, uh, yeah, there's no, there's no time limit. There's no pressure. It will happen when it happens. But it's going to happen. That's fantastic news. Well, And I, I think soon. And I think soon. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say it right here, right now. I'll, I'll put you on the spot a little bit. When the new record is done, we have to have you back on the show. Okay, so we can talk. Okay, I can so, do that. So we can talk all about the new record because that would that would be a huge honor for me, um, you know. And and we want to get the word out as as soon as we can. Um, do you remember the first time you heard a King's X song on the radio or or saw your first video? What what was that like? Wow, you know I don't really remember that. <laughs> I, I can't remember the very first time. I know that it, it happened, and I know seeing us on MTV was kind of exciting. And uh, yeah, I just I just don't know. It's so long ago, and so much life has happened since then. And um, and 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 when you're in the in the moment, sometimes uh, life it just happens all around you. So it's hard to just pick out those specific moments sometimes. Does that make any sense? It makes total sense. You know, I, and, and that's the way it is for me. Cause I, I just don't remember. I just know that I'm, I'm very thankful for, you know, my entire career, how it has played out. And, uh, and yeah, and, and, and it was, it's always exciting to see, see us on TV, I guess, and hear other people comment about us and say, Oh yeah, we love those guys. So, um, yeah, I just don't. I just don't know that. I don't have that that experience in my life of that time where it's like, oh wow, we're on the radio. Hey, guys, we're on the radio. <laughs> I, I just don't know that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't remember it either. You know, to to be perfectly honest, I mean, I know it happened, and I'm sure I was, you know, jacked up over it. You know, I, I I'm positive I was, but I I don't remember, you know, where I was sitting or or whatever. But I was just kind of yeah. curious about that, and and I've asked some of our guests that before. And it's always cool to hear that reaction, you know. Um, Jerry, are are all three of you guys still living close to one another? You know, I, I haven't kept track of where you guys are living. Um, no, we we live nowhere near each other anymore. Okay, we represent all the areas of the United States. <laughs> I'm on the East Coast. Ties in the Midwest, and Doug's on the West Coast. Gotcha. Okay. So, so it takes a little bit of doing to get all three of you guys in a room together then. Uh, no, it's just an email and a phone call. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's how we get together. We're going on tour. Okay. See you then. <laughs> well, that's cool. I mean, t tell us a little bit about the, the writing process. So do, do you guys all three write on your own and then kind of get together and, and trade ideas or are you guys, you know, I don't know what your logistically how it goes. Do you have a studio and and you guys fly tracks back and forth via email? How, how does that work these days? Well, throughout the years, we've done all of those things. You know, we've written songs individually and brought them to the band, and then uh, we all put ourselves into them. And it may be exactly as the person wrote it, or we might change parts and. But we, we're always putting ourselves into the songs. 
and all of us are open to as much as we can be because when you write a song it's very dear to you sure but we're open we know that if we bring something to king's x it could turn into an entirely different song when all three of us get it to you know, get together and start working on it so there's been that and we've also we've also gotten in a room and and made records completely from scratch where there was no ideas at all where we just come up with come up with it at the moment and and it's a total collaboration so it just happens all different ways there is no set pattern or whatever the word is on how king's x makes its music so it could happen anyway right so it's not a factory approach in other words this is our process and we're sticking to it no we have no process over the years it's become you know however however we do it however we make however we make music you know, it could, like I say, it could be any of those things. So, yeah, for that's sure. That's the way we do it. And I don't know how this new record's going to happen. <laughs> but we're going to get together. I think we're all going to be in the same room at one point. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it would and work better that way. <laughs> I, think, I think that's probably going to happen. Well, we could all do it. We could all just do it wherever we're at. Yeah. But I don't think that's the way it's going to happen. That doesn't make sense. That's not what a King's X record should be, I don't think. King's X should be the three of us making the music together. And I think that's how it's going to happen. A- absolutely. I, I mean, I think that that's always best. You know, I mean, I've kind of done stuff both ways, you know, tracking drums and then flying a track out to somebody. And it always sounds worse than if you were in the room with the other musicians. I mean, that's just my opinion. Um, you know, I think recording live or, or everybody being in the same room, there's there's just a back and forth that happens that that can't happen through the computer. You know, that's 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 true. But but good things can happen the other way as well. Oh yeah, sure, sure. You know, anytime somebody's if somebody puts themselves into it and believes in what they're doing and, and you know you know has the you know, translates that feel somewhere, somehow into the computer and sends it to you. I mean, it's still there. It's still, it's still that person playing and, and giving of themselves. But I don't think King's X is going to do it that way. Well, that's that's good news for me. Um, Jerry, I'm going to ask about... Don't hold me to it. Don't hold me to it. <laughs> well, you've already said you'll come back when the record is, is done so we can talk about it. So uh, I'm we- also a liar. <laughs> Well, we'll we'll see how it ends up uh, how it ends up coming out in in the in the mix, as they say. Um, I'm going to ask about a very specific gig, and and you will probably remember this one. But I remember you guys did Woodstock '94, which was you know kind of the the big uh, 25th anniversary of Woodstock. And of course, you know, there's all kinds of stories about, you know, they, they burn the place down at the end and, <laughs> you no, know, that's not true. That was Woodstock, um, 99. Oh, okay. So, so it was a Woodstock different one. 94. Yes. Woodstock 94 felt like the real thing. Okay. I mean, it, it really did feel like Woodstock to me. The vibe was great. Um, everybody got along. There were no fires. There was no violence, any of that stuff. But uh, it was a great experience. And to look out there and see 300,000 people was quite a sight. Oh, I can only imagine. And uh, Yeah, and it, it, it was a great experience. It was a beautiful experience. But then they tried it again five years later, and that's when they burned everything down. It just turned in. That's why there's been no more Woodstock since. 
it just didn't work. Yeah. I, I, so I just got the two mixed up, but I, I remember specifically, you know, one of the radio stations here, you know, basically covered it live. So, I mean, it was just a feed from the show. And, and I remember specifically, you know, hearing you guys do your set and it was pretty incredible. I mean, it really was, um, you know, and it was just kind of a who's who 300,000 people. Was that the biggest King's X gig? Uh, yes, it was. <laughs> I think that was most people's biggest gig. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it would have to be, um, you yeah. know, we, we had, um, uh, Doug Clifford from CCR on the show uh, a few months back. Mm. And of course they played the original Woodstock and uh, right. they had to be flown in on a helicopter. There was no way to get there because everybody had just left their cars on the road. So uh, it, he said, we came kind of over this hill and, and he said, you know, my heart sank because there were just so many people. Um, I, what's it like? I mean, I, you know, I know that's probably a hokey, dumb question, but but what was it like playing in front of that many people? Well, like I said earlier, it was it was an incredible sight to see the sea of people. I mean, everywhere you looked, there were just people. It was an incredible sight. Yet at the same time, it was still just another gig. You know, we still just had to go up there and and play and do our show. And I approached it that way as well. But then, but but the whole vibe, the whole the whole thing was truly incredible. If that makes any sense. Sure. But it was still another vibe, and it can't be compared to the first Woodstock either, because the first Woodstock, uh, they weren't prepared for that at all. No, they weren't. That just happened. But this was the one we played. They were prepared. They made that happen. You know, they 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 were. You know, they had all the um, everything everybody needed. You know, their bathrooms. <laughs> there's this. It wasn't people crashing in. You know, it was it was set for three hundred thousand people to be there. So it was a totally different thing. And uh, and it was a, it was a great vibe for me. We got to meet. You know, different people. We had. We're in a room with Crosby, Stills, and Nash, having our pictures taken for the for the booklet or the whatever you call it for the Woodstock thing, and yeah, just hanging out with people. It, it, it was just a great, great vibe. That's what I remember. Yeah. Well, it it was an amazing show. I mean, it was literally a, a who's who in the music business that was on that bill, and and I just remembered it and wanted to ask you about it. Um, Jerry, one of the traditions that we have here on the Drum Shuffle is we we always ask our guests for a good piece of advice for other drummers or other musicians. And you've had just such a legendary career and you've been such an influence on me personally. Um, you know, I, I'm all ears uh, to hear what advice you would offer to all of us, uh, you know, working musicians, working drummers. Well, the only advice I can give to anybody in any situation, I think, is to follow what's inside yourself. Listen to yourself. Listen to what you believe. Listen to what you know to be true to yourself and go for that. And I think that's where the power lies. It's not going to it's not going to be in what somebody else has done and you try to emulate that. Although we do we do try to emulate people, but we have to follow ourselves because that's where the power lies. It's only within us. And that's the only advice I can give to anybody in any situation 
you know, follow what you know to be true. I don't know of anything else there is to do. Yeah. And once we do that, that's where the power is. That's a, it sounds simple, but it's not simple. <laughs> it's simple, but not easy. Right. I mean, that's, I, I hear that all the time. It's not easy, but it's, it's simple. Just do what you, what you know to be true. I think John Lennon said it the best. Life is what happens while we're busy making other plans. Yeah. That's a, yeah. That, that's a great quote. Great quote. Well, yes, it is. that's just the way it is. Jerry, I, I I'm s- not happy. I didn't make the rules, Jamie. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. make me happy the way this world is. Believe me. Well, it doesn't me either. And you know, I mean, we could probably spend uh, 45 minutes to an hour discussing that. Um, one last thing that I do want to want to ask you about before we let you go. Uh, we're almost out of time, but King's X um, has such a relationship with their fans. Um, it, it, it goes without saying that you guys love your fans and your fans love you. Talk a little bit about the relationship that the three of you guys have with your fans. Well, it is a beautiful thing. And throughout the years, um, we do care about the fans. We realize that the fans are the reason that we're out there. And we've actually made friends with a lot of the fans. And um, and after every show now, we decided, quite a few years ago, we decided that we're just going to do the show, give everything we have musically to these people, everything inside of us. And then after the show, we're going to go down to the merch table and we're going to talk to everybody who wants to talk to us. We'll sign things. We'll listen to your stories. Tell us how you feel. You know, we'll hug you. You can take pictures, whatever you want. And we do that every night to show our appreciation. And uh, and it's always a beautiful thing. You know, we hear things that we would never hear any other way. And uh, that's just what we do, man. And I'm assuming there's some... And, and, and it's free. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, and, and I'm assuming that there's some inspiration that comes out of that because, you know, there's a lot of bands out there that are making, you know, an extra hundred, 200 bucks, you know, to get the three second, we're going to snap a picture and then, you know, herd you out the door kind of thing. So I know I think about that. I'm going, I just don't know. And I'm not, I'm not saying anything against anybody for any reason. I'm just saying, I'm just talking about me, myself. I just can't imagine myself doing that. I, I just don't, how can I charge somebody to want to share something with me? To say, hey, I love you, man. I love your music. You mean so much to me. Can we get a picture? Yeah. I mean, that's just a beautiful thing. And uh, But if they want to give me money, I'll take it. <laughs> of, of, course <laughs> you, <laughs> of course you will. You're a drummer. I mean, you know, we're all starving to death. I've never had too much money. I know that. Yeah. I mean, we're all starving to death in this day and age. You know, it's just how the industry is. Um, Jerry, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you know, kudos to you guys for, for keeping it real and, and keeping on doing what you guys have been doing for such a long time. I can't wait to hear the new record. And, and again, you are welcome on this show anytime when that record's done let us know we will absolutely have you back to talk about it but thank you so much for your time we really appreciate it oh my pleasure jamie thank you all right we'll talk to you real soon 
Okay. Take care, man. All right. All right, guys, that's going to do it for episode 29 of the Drum Shuffle. As always, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining us. We can't do any of this without every single one of you. As always, I'm going to ask you to hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening in today. It helps us tremendously to continue to grow. Also, share a link with a friend that helps us more than you know. And again, we do appreciate it. We love hearing from you throughout the week. Our email address is the Drum Shuffle Podcast at gmail.com. Our web address is thedrumshuffle.com. You can find more information on me over at jamieeds.com. Again, thanks to the wonderful Jerry Gaskell for his time today. Don't miss us next week as we will be joined by John Bermuda Schwartz of Weird Al Yankovic's band for the past 38 years. Great interview that you're not going to want to miss. So until next time, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers. Cheers.